I would invite you to remain in the book of Proverbs, except move over to chapter 23. Proverbs 23. Now I've entitled the message this morning, Five Things You Will Never Hear in Public School. Five Things You Will Never Hear in Public School. The title then ought to give you uh, a little insight into how you and I are going to react this morning. Uh, that means that if you're old enough, if you're a child old enough to hear and understand my words, this is for you, right up to those in school and high school and university. And to be facetious, Google it if you don't know what it means, to be facetious, this is a time maybe that mom and dad can just chill and just zoom out like most kids do in church. Because I'm really speaking to young people today. I made the choice some time ago that at the Sundays we have baby dedications that I draw a message from my study in the book of Proverbs. And the reality is, Proverbs is written to children of parents. Proverbs is principally a series of sayings from a father to a son. And so that means that if you're a child here, this message is for you. I want you to really hear it as from God's Word. My title is not a joke. And so again, I'm speaking this morning on five things you will never hear in public school. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 23, or watch as it's projected on the screen. Proverbs 23, and I'm reading verses 22 to 25. This grouping of these four verses is part of, a, of, a, of a, a series of verses in Proverbs called 30 Wise Sayings. This actually is number 17. So it's Proverbs 23, 22 to 25. Listen to your father who gave you life. And do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you, rejoice. Five things you will never hear in public school. And if you look carefully at your Bible or the text behind me, you'll find that these are drawn all from this passage. The first thing 
that you will never hear in public school is this. Number one, your parents are the primary human authority in your lives. Your parents are the primary human authority in your lives. There are two human beings that are your primary authority on earth, and that is your mother and your father. There are a lot of voices out there. There's voices from Google. There's voices from social media. There's voices even from your own teachers, and I do speak respectfully of your teachers. There are voices from your friends. But apart from God, there is one voice that you are required under God to listen to, and that is your parents. Under God, your parents are your primary teachers, instructors, guidance counselors. Elsewhere, the Bible says within the Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. If that's true, and of course it is, everything should be run by past your parents. Everything. Here's where I'm going to get practical. Please listen. That means there is no club at school that has an authority in your life. There's no activity. There's nothing you do. There's no doctor's appointment that you make that you must not, first of all, run by your parents. There's no friendship you should engage in. There is no relationship that you should become involved in that does not involve the, your parents and their blessing. Under God, your parents are the most important voice in your life. That's number one. Your parents are your primary human authority in your life. Nothing should occur in your life that is foreign, alien to what your parents know and see. They should know everything. You won't hear that in school. That's number one. Number two, you need a mother, and in my notes I have big capitals, and father. You won't hear that in school. You need a mother and a father. Listen, look at verses 22 and 25. Listen to your father who gave you life, and then let her who bore you rejoice. Let me be clear about this. 
the culture that we live in tends to give all rights to the mother. The Bible clearly affirms that both father and mother are needed in a child's life. To emphasize this, the, the author in verse 24 says, he who fathers a wise son. That word translated fathers, it's a verb. And you see it in the text, he who fathers a wise son. The paradox here is the word father is the same word as giving birth to, going through labor pains, agonizing. I don't believe it's a mistake of the author to use that term. It's exactly the same Hebrew word, verb as a woman who gives birth. Fathers also give birth to children, not in a physical, anatomical sense, but through their involvement in raising and developing children. And under God, we have this neat paradox that says mothers, mothers give birth to children and fathers give birth to children, meaning they're both necessary for the child. God has not only intended that your parents are the primary authority in your life, God has intended that you need both a mother and a father in your life. Students, you will hear that two men can parent children, and that is a lie. You will hear that two women can parent children, and that is a lie. A child needs both a father and a mother. And for those of us who have been by very sad circumstances caused to be single parents, I have never met a single parent who didn't in their heart of hearts yearn for the fact that a mother or a father could be in that relationship. I am here today as once a single parent, and without the help of my father and my mother and the help of some very dear ladies at Avonglen Gospel Mission, I would not be able to be the kind of parent to my daughter that I could. Children need a mother and a father. You won't hear that in public school. Number three, you are to never stop honoring your parents. Look at verse 22. Do not despise your mother when she is old. You may grow up or already have grown up. You may leave home. You may even go to university. You may even get married. 
but the command to honor your mother and father never expires. Never expires. Bruce Welke, who is an expert, one of the world-renowned experts in the Hebrew language, particularly Hebrew poetry, as this comes from, says, this means that your entire life, your entire life, from the time of your birth to your old age, means that you honor your parents. Their gray heads are the crown of having lived their lives in wisdom, so you honor them. Anyone here listening today or online, if you still have your parents with you, you have a responsibility, no matter what your age, is to give honor to your parents. What does honor mean? It means different ways under different circumstances in the Scripture. But here it specifically means that you still hold to those teachings and those values that were communicated to you. You still hold your parents' teaching as precious, and you honor them by your lives, even when you're grown up and maybe even have your own children. You will hear, listen up, you will hear in school that there's a time that will come when you can do what you want. Somebody will tell you that you're 16, you're 17, you can do what you want. In fact, you will be specifically told that a time will come when you don't have to listen to your parents. That's a lie. You will never reach an age when your parents are unimportant. Never. They are your greatest consult, your greatest source of guidance on earth. They are your authority. And even as you grow older, you show honor to them. I don't want to, without thinking at least, don't want to brag about my own family. But it's the family I know, it's the stories I know. When my daughter Courtney and her husband Kyle were purchasing a house, they consulted both sets of parents. They involved both sets of parents in that purchase and sought our advice. I was immediately humbled. Number three, you never can stop honoring your parents. You won't hear that in school. Number four, there is a right and there is a wrong and it can be known. There is a right and there is a wrong and you can know. Verse 22 and 23 say, listen to your father by truth. Do not sell it by wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Now, right away, if you're thinking, you'll realize you can't buy truth. But you got to remember this is poetry. This is Hebrew poetry. 
What's the author saying? He's saying there's something you should invest in. As you get older, you might think of investing some savings into certain accounts, GICs, and perhaps mutuals, or even stock. You may want to invest. The Bible says invest in truth. Invest in truth. Buy truth. Spend your time in search of truth. Spend your time in search of truth. Students, please don't take this as severe, but I'm deeply concerned about young people who spend a lot of time on things that don't matter at all. I have friends who are still on their Xbox at three in the morning. They're investing in a game, and that game will not equip you for eternity. The Bible says, by truth, invest in truth. The word truth here is a noun. Don't you love it how I can bring English lessons into this? It's a noun. In the Hebrew language, it's singular. There's no truths. In the Hebrew language, it's absolute, meaning it can be known and seen and understood. The Bible teaches that there is a truth to be pursued, and it is, can be known. You will hear, young people, you will hear that you can have a truth, and your teacher can have a truth, and your friends can have a truth, and all of us can have our own truths. You will end up in a discussion sometimes with a friend at school, and for example, you might communicate to them that you believe that God created the world out of nothing. And they will say to you, well, that's your truth. I have a different truth. Let me be clear. There is one truth, one truth, and it can be known. And it's not found in me. It's not found in somebody else. It's found in God and his word. Truth is the sum of three things, according to this author. Truth, if you were doing a mathematical equation, you would write it this way. Truth equals wisdom plus instruction plus understanding. Meaning, truth is wisdom. It's living righteously before God. Understanding is how do you do that? I should say instruction is how you do that, and understanding is the ability to discern right from wrong. Truth 
is the ability to make good decisions and base them on right knowledge and accurately evaluate whether that's right or not. And all that comes from God's Word. It doesn't come from anywhere else. Another way to say this is truth is doctrine, doctrine applied properly, and then properly evaluated. The author says that those who live that way are righteous. And in Hebrews, that means that they are blameless, innocent. They're doing what is right before God's eyes. Someone will ask you, young people, what makes you so sure you can be right? In fact, some people will even say that you are proud and arrogant if you believe truth. Again, the Bible is clear. Truth can be known. Truth is singular. It's a body of truth that comes from God. There are no truths. There's one truth, and it comes from God. That's number four. There is a right and a wrong, and they can be known. Number five, and the last one. This might be the most troubling when you hear it first, but I think you'll understand. The fifth thing that you will never hear at school is this, live to please your parents. Live to please your parents. Notice the text. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad let her who bore you rejoice. Four times in this passage, it's emphasized, and I know it's countercultural. You won't hear this in school. You won't hear this on television. But four times, the author chose to repeat that the goal, the end result of an obedient, righteous living child is to bring joy to their parents. Imagine sitting in class, and someone asks you why you do that. I know you've been asked that question. Why are you doing that? Imagine answering them this way. I do that because it pleases my parents. You won't hear that in school. I do that because it makes my father and mother happy. That idea is so foreign to us today that I'm sure that some of you thought, really? Are you kidding me? It's 
Some of you might even question that as a motivation. Let me take you to a couple places in scriptures. You don't have to turn there. I'll give you the reference and you can check it out. The first is in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. This is addressed to congregations. Notice what it says. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. Paul, or the author of Hebrews, teaches that one of the motivations for a congregation to show honor and respect to its leaders is to give them what? Joy. And not groan. We say, well, that's not, that's not very fair, Pastor Jim. My sole life here in the church is to make you happy. No. Look at 2 Corinthians 1.24 when you have time. Look, look what Paul said. He said, not that we lord it over your faith, but we work for you for your joy. And so it's not a foreign idea in Scripture for students and children of families to serve and to live in a way that makes their parents happy that gives them joy. You will hear, do what makes you happy. That's what you're going to hear in school. You do whatever makes you happy. The Bible says, do what makes your parents happy. So you are going to hear that you're the boss of you. Are you listening? You're going to hear you're the boss of you. You're going to hear that you can have your own truth and other people can have their truth. You're going to hear do what makes you happy. And you're going to hear that you really don't need a mother and father. You can have one or two of both and you're okay. And they're all lies. They're all lies. The main point of this proverb, really, if I was to take these verses and exegetically arrive at what, does the, what is the main point, the main point is that you as young people, students, as old as you are, you should have one pursuit in life, and that pursuit is to find truth. As a child, you can fulfill that initially by listening to and honoring your parents. But let me remind you that if we fast forward from Proverbs 23 all the way to John 14, we will realize in the words of Jesus when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That even though it's not clearly stated, the inspired author of Proverbs 
is causing us to look ahead and see that there is a noun, singular, and absolute that's going to arrive, and his name is Jesus. And he is the truth. Another Old Testament author in the book of Ecclesiastes sought for truth, but he sought for truth under the sun. In other words, in this life. And what was his summary of his experience? Vanity, vanity. Empty, empty. All is empty. But young people, I'm here to tell you that if you, by God's enabling grace, will seek to find all your direction and guidance and ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ, who is the truth, you will find that that's an investment that will pay dividends. Five things you'll never hear in a public school, but you heard today from God's Word. And as I close, my prayer will be that you will take heed to it. Let's pray together. The Bible says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father, I pray for a unique work of the Holy Spirit in this church, especially among the young people and the students. I pray that your word will challenge the ideas and philosophies and notions that come through school and on social media, on television. I pray that they will stand on what is true in your word. I pray that parents here will enjoy the delights of children who live and grow up and honor them and walk in ways that are righteous. Heavenly Father, I pray for that special work of grace in our families. In fact, I pray, Father, for us all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.